Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. If you've got one of our Bibles, it's on page 955. If you don't own a Bible or you've got uh, an old Bible and you need a new one, please take one of our Bibles with you home. This is our gift to you. Luke chapter 6. We've been walking through the book of Luke together. And today we are possibly walking through the most difficult passage in the whole gospel. We're going to be confronted with really two very, very difficult truths for us to accept. Truth number one is this, that if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, if you're going to, if you're going to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus, that means you are going to have some enemies. Jesus was persecuted. He tells his followers, you're going to be persecuted also. And even if you're not persecuted for your belief, all of us in this room have enemies. That's just a reality of of life. We've got people who have harmed us, who have hurt us, who have offended us. And the second truth that may be even more difficult for us to accept is that Jesus commands us to love not just our neighbors, but our enemies. And that's what we're going to be taking a look at here today. Luke's been writing this gospel, if you remember, as a, an orderly account so that you would believe in the things that you've been taught about Jesus. And I, I believe that Luke probably had in his mind as he's writing this gospel that, look, you've got to know what you believe because you're going to go through some really difficult stuff in your life. There's going to be people that persecute you. There's going to be people that offend you. There are people that are going to, you're going to call your enemies. And so you need to know that Jesus is not just an ordinary man. He's not just a teacher. He's not even just a prophet. You see Luke over and over talking about the authority of Jesus, that he has authority to forgive sins, that Jesus has the authority over demons, that he has the authority to heal. He calls himself the Lord of the Sabbath, that he has authority over the Sabbath. And the religious leaders didn't like that. The religious leaders were threatened by the authority of Jesus. And so they schemed on how can they how can they take down Jesus? But Jesus was not threatened by them. He continued on his mission. He chose his 12 apostles out of his disciples. And then a couple of weeks ago, we saw that Jesus started preaching this sermon. It's, it's, theologians call it the Sermon on the Plain. It mirrors the Sermon on the Mount that you find in Matthew chapter 5. And if Jesus was going to give a title to this sermon, it probably would be something like God's Upside-Down Kingdom. And he starts off the sermon with what we call the Beatitudes. It's these blessings and these curses, these, these uh, good things and these bad things. He, he says, blessed are the, the poor, the hungry, the, those who weep, those who are hated. But woe to the rich. Woe to those who are full of happiness and, and, and full in their bellies and, and popular. And so today, Jesus is continuing this upside-down kingdom sermon as he talks about this radical type of love that we're supposed to have towards our enemies. And I know some of you walk into this room today, and even this week, you've been offended by somebody, you've been hurt by somebody, you've been, uh, somebody has really just made you their enemy. And Jesus' command to love our enemies just for you right now just seems impossible. And, and, and that's the reality. This is, apart from the grace of God, this is an impossible task for us. And so let's pray right now one more time that God would help us follow him. Father, as we read these words, we know that our hearts 
by themselves. Our, our, our flesh does not want to obey this command. And so we need your help. If we're going to follow you, if we're going to love like you've commanded us to love, we cannot do this on our own. We need your spirit to fill us. We need to experience your mercy on a whole new level so that we can extend that mercy to other people. And so, Father, I pray that we, during this sermon, we would see, our eyes would be open to see how much you love us and how much mercy you have given us on the cross and change our hearts that we would reflect your love to others. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so pick up with me in Luke chapter 6. I'm starting in verse 27. Jesus continues his sermon. He says, but I say to you who hear. Now, I'm going to stop right there because we need to talk about, whenever you're reading the Bible, you need to look at the very first word of the sentence because often that first word is going to tell you to go back, and that's what happens here. The word but refers back to the woes that Jesus just was talking about. He, he's saying, look, don't be like those, those Pharisees who were rich and they loved popularity. Instead, and, and the word you is emphatic in the original language. You are to have this, you're going to be radically different. You who are my disciples need not to love yourselves like they do. You need to have a radical love. You need to even not just love your neighbors, but love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you, he says. Verse 28, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. And so Jesus here gives four commands. He gives the main command first, love your enemies, and then he gives three other commands that really describe how you are to do that first command. So love your enemies by doing good to them, blessing them, praying for them. And so you do good to them in, in deed, and also in word, by blessing them, and then in your prayer life. I mean, can you imagine being there in this moment, being in the field, listening to Jesus? You've followed him for some time now. You've seen him do miracles. You've heard him say some pretty bold statements. But now he's, he's telling you to do some, th- some stuff that just sounds totally backwards. I mean, how, how do we do this? I mean, this is just not natural. The natural thing for us to do is to hate those who hate us, to curse those who curse us, to abuse those who abuse us. In fact, Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount, he describes the reaction of the crowd that was listening in, and he says they were just astonished. They were overwhelmed by his words. Christ wants to do something that is supernatural. This is not natural for us to do. This is why we need the the Christ in us. Notice he doesn't say, just have warm feelings towards your enemies. Okay, he, that's not the kind of love he's talking about here. He, he, he doesn't say, look, wait till you feel good about them, till you feel compassionate about them, and then do something about it. The love he's talking about is a love that is in action, in deed, and in word, and in our prayer life. And next, Jesus, knowing that this is an impossible task, knowing that The people that are listening to him probably are not going to fully accept this or understand it. He goes on to give really a a number of examples of how this is going to play out in your everyday life. Look down at verse 29. He says, To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away 
your cloak. Do not withhold your tunic either. Now, in Jewish culture, a strike to the cheek was the ultimate insult. And so Jesus is saying, instead of insulting them back, instead of striking them back, turn your other cheek. If somebody steals your coat off the back, give them your t-shirt also. Surprise them with radical kindness. Verse 30, give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And then he summarizes this radical command with the golden rule. He says, and you wish, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And you think about it, the golden rule is really just another way to say, love your neighbor as yourself. It's the great command. Love God and love your neighbor. He's saying that your neighbor is even your enemy. Your neighbor is your enemy. And next we see why. He says, verse 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those whom, from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. See, if you're going to reflect the love of God to others, it needs to look radically different from the love that we find in the rest of the world. If you only love those who are going to love you back, that is of very little value in God's eyes. If you only love those who have the potential of giving you something, that, that's not the type of love that, that God has for us. But if, if you love those who don't love you back, if you love those who won't love you back, then what are you acting like? You're acting like a child of God. You're proving that, that you're His child. And so, first of all, let me make very clear what he is not saying here. Jesus is not saying that we should never defend ourselves. Even Jesus, at times in his ministry, had to sidestep and dodge some stones before he got to the cross. In fact, he took out a whip and drove the thieves out of the, out of the temple. The apostle Paul defended himself at times. Jesus also is not saying that you ought to stay committed and in an abusive relationship. He's not saying that. If, if your house is physically dangerous for you, you need to leave and get help. Jesus is not saying that, we should, that there should be no punishment for injustice done in the world. He, he's not saying that as Christians we should be pacifists. And he's not saying that we should just roll over and just let evil run free. He's not saying that we should never confront sin. Jesus is not saying that we should have loved Hitler into surrender. He's not saying that we should have given Osama bin Laden the Sears Tower after 9-11. Okay? He's not saying these things. Remember, Jesus is talking to individuals. He's not talking to a government entity here. 
In fact, Romans 13, Paul talks about that the government, it's God's servant for good who bears the sword as an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. And so what is Jesus saying here, though? Well, the best way to interpret Scripture is from Scripture itself. And I think maybe the best commentary on this passage comes from the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12. And if you want to turn there, I would encourage you to Romans chapter 12. I'm going to be starting in verse 17. And I believe here Paul really gets to the heart of what Jesus is saying in the sermon. In the context of what's going on in Romans chapter 12, Paul is talking about what are the marks of a true Christian. And he says this in verse 17. He says, Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. You see, at the heart of what Jesus is saying in his sermon is, look, I want you to glorify God. I want you to honor God by reflecting him. You see, as a child, you represent your father in heaven. And when you choose not to retaliate, but to love even your enemy, the world's going to notice that and you're going to glorify God. He goes on in Romans 12, verse 18, if possible... So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And so Paul recognizes that it is not possible to be at peace at all times. Peace takes two parties. And so you are responsible only for what you can do to be faithful, to love your enemies. You can't be responsible to how they respond. You can't force peace. Verse 19, he goes on, Beloved, never avenge yourselves. But leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And so just like Jesus, Paul is saying, love your your enemy, in very practical ways. Be kind to them. Surprise them with your kindness. Overcome evil with good. And the heart of what Jesus is saying, the heart of this passage, is that don't live a life that is full of vengeance. Live a life that is full of mercy and grace and forgiveness and generosity. And and notice the motivation here that Paul uses. He says, look, trust that God is a just God. And the truth is this, that God always punishes wrongdoing. God always, he, never, he will never look, overlook a sin. God always punishes wrongdoing, either in hell for those who don't repent, or he will punish it on the cross for those who do repent and trust in him for salvation. And so when we try to take matters into our own hands. When we punish those who have harmed us, what are we saying to God? We're saying, I don't trust your justice. I don't, I don't believe that hell is a big enough punishment. Or you're saying, I don't believe the cross is sufficient sacrifice. Now, I also don't think Paul is saying this, because uh, when, when I first read this, 